0: to your friends, listen as much as you can. Numbers are slightly down, which may affect the future of this podcast. So just leave it playing, even if you're not in the room. Love you. <laughs> now sit back, relax, and enjoy whatever it is you're going to listen to. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science. With beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
1: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who's just had a very important moment with his son. His Richard Herring. Thank you very much. Hello, London. They're all, all of London is in the theatre. It's incredible. There's so many people in here. It's great. Uh, hello to everyone at home, watching on the live stream as well. Uh, welcome to Rich Town's Leicester Square Theatre Podcast. Uh, I was hanging out with the uh, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air the other day. <laughs> I, I just said West Philadelphia wasn't as good as East Philadelphia. He's, he slapped me. Uh, anyway, he, he calls it Rahalastapa. Uh, we're, we're recording this the day after... The Oscars uh, for people at home. Uh, is it okay to punch a comedian? I don't, is, it, is it all right to give him a slap if he offends you? Anyone wants to give it a try, come on up. <laughs> I'm not keeping my hands behind my back. Is, is it okay for a past transgression? We might sell more tickets. Come I mean, we say, anyone who's got a problem with anything I've ever said in the past, come up and smack me in the face. Uh, it, look, it's been a, a lovely weekend. I've been away uh, in Lower Stoffed. Yeah. It's, you know, it's it's better than it sounds. Uh, and uh we went uh, we went to, up to Southwold and we went for a long walk and had lunch and this long walk back and we really needed a wee before we drove home and so uh we went I took my son to the to the loo um and he's just started standing up to wee he's 4 years old and he's not 28 years old. And uh, uh I was really desperate to go so I started going first and then he just he 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 just joined in and started going at the same time. It's the first time we've ever kind of crossed streams. <laughs> it's a big moment for a it's a significant day. It's better than, you know, giving him a key to his car or, you know, him winning a Nobel Prize. You're both we in at the same time. It doesn't happen for very long, that's the thing, is it? It doesn't happen you, you don't do, you know, I probably will never do that again with my own dad. I mean, if you're listening, Dad, I'm prepared to give it a go. I'm not sure he can wee standing up anymore anyway. Uh, But, uh, you know, that self consciousness will kick in and make him think it's weird to wee standing next to your dad who's also weeing. But he's wrong. It's not weird. It's normal. Uh, Also, it's a good way to save water as well because we only only need to flush once. We're saving the planet. Um, It's a bonding moment with my son. I don't know if it's as much a bonding moment with my daughter, though. I don't it's, it's... You'd have to kind of be very careful with the positioning and the accuracy, which I do not think at this stage of my life I would be up for. It could, rather than a bonding moment, it could turn into quite a mentally scarring encounter, requiring years of therapy. Um, so, uh, lower stuff was uh, was nice. Um, uh, there was a kind of a kind of poetic moment. There was a charity shop on the high street as we walked uh, down to get our. Our breakfast on Saturday, and uh, there was a mobility scooter, a second-hand mobility scooter in the window of the charity shop. Which is like, just tells a whole story, isn't it, just by itself? There. Uh, one day you'll be too old to move, and then one day you'll be dead, and your <laughs> mobility scooter. I've got a feeling that mobility scooter is back in the window of that charity shop every couple of months. <laughs> Someone buys it, gives it. They should, you know. It's kind of quite like, oh, the cha- it's gone, it's gone. Oh, it's back again moment of hope followed by a moment of despair and uh, they should rent out by the hour i think that's that would be a more efficient way good old lowestoft it's the mobility scooter capital of the year uh, of the world and why not uh, before we crack on i would like to thank uh, kickstarter backer joanna seymour uh and i have to say happy year-long 50th birthday to her she's so young joanna seymour i wish i was 50 again why did i complain right my guest this week—if she's finished her phone call backstage—we're about to find out. Uh, she's probably best known of the, as being the writer of two episodes of Young Dracula. Then we didn't hear anything from her again, did we? What's she been up to? What's she been up to since that? It was so good those two episodes of Young Dracula. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping in at the last moment like a hero. Will you please welcome Deborah Francis White, ladies and gentlemen? Here she is. Hopefully, there she is. Hooray! She's here. Deborah Francis White. Come in, <laughs> sit down. This massively full jug of water—this is an accident waiting to happen. Do you want to, I'll put up for you some water, just in case you want it with your.
1: Thank you so much. That's a, an absolute delight. How um, are you? Um, I, these, uh, this is this is I'm very well. But these aren't merch that people can buy because I was, was going to say you should buy this mug, but you can't because it says I was a guest on Rilla Histoper, and all I. And all I got was this lousy <laughs> mug. Yeah. So this is unbuyable merch.
0: It is. You have so to become a guest on Rellistopo.
1: But if I were to auction it off yeah. to somebody here and like give the money to Ukraine or something, someone could have one without being a guest. Yeah, they could. I'm not saying I'm definitely doing that, but now I've said Ukraine, I kind of have to. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very awful. Otherwise, what a terrible person I am. Um, so I could auction off this mug. Does anyone want this mug that implies they've been a guest when they haven't? <laughs> Because you could make up a story. And in fact, what I could do... And this is me taking over your show, Richard. I'm so sorry. Not like you, Deborah. I'm a terrible person. Uh, (laughs) People hate me. Uh, I could, later in the show, do it in a way where you get to be a mini-guest for like three minutes or something like that. Blimey. Take some questions. Are we allowed to do that?
0: Yeah, do what you like.
1: And then they could have the mug. But it would have to be auctioned off, I think. Are we allowed to do
0: that? Yeah, we're allowed to do it. Okay, well, let's not it do it. Be, it might be an embarrassingly small amount of money. That's what I'm worried about.
1: <laughs> listen, not if we let the live streamers in on the
0: No, that's the, true. The gig. Then they've got to come down to the theatre for their three minutes of interview.
1: Live streamers, listen, we'll figure out a way to make you... We will send you emergency questions, and you will just type back answers. <laughs>
0: We can see. We can see. They're a very not as valuable as I'm. I am the host of Ralastaper, and all I have is this lousy lousy mug. That's, uh, yes, that's really valuable. Yeah,
1: that's, Ooh, you, then, and there's you,
0: one that says I'm a, I'm on the cre- I was I was on the crew of Princess. and all I got. So those are the ones you can probably buy from the bar. The bar staff have them. I think they'll sell them for twenty quid. No problem. Uh, how was uh, writing on Young Dracula?
1: Oh. um... Good times. Uh, <laughs> children's television, that's where the money is. That's for sure. Uh, I wrote two episodes, but I co-wrote with a, with a writer called yeah. Philippa Waller, who I, uh, we used to write a lot together back in the day. She's fantastic. She's now got a company called 4D Human Being, where she helps you be a better person. Um, if anyone feels they need to be a better person. You, sir? No? Okay. These people
0: are as good as they're going to get, which is not, <laughs> saying, is not saying a lot... Oh, if anyone's feeling a bit 3D... They've, the, they've reached the, the pinnacle. If you think
1: they've peaked, okay. Um, <laughs> listen, if any of you have more faith in yourself than Richard Herring has in you, <laughs> you feel free to speak up. Um, and uh, yeah, Philippa did most of the writing on those episodes, I think. Okay. I, uh, over the years, you know, it pans out, doesn't it? You write yeah. a bit more, they write a bit more.
0: Is young Dracula Dracula before he becomes a vampire, though? Because surely old Dracula is dead Dracula.
1: Have you seen Harry Potter? Um, yeah. It's
0: that. Okay. Only Draculas. Okay. <laughs> so what, it's like a school for Draculas? Just, but I, you know, they Draculas don't aren't Draculas don't become they become Draculas once they're bitten and they're dead, right? They don't go to school and go, oh, I must learn how to be a Dracula.
1: <laughs> That's actually a great point. <laughs> you you've really undone that whole show. Yeah. That format's fucked. Yeah. If young Dracula, if you're watching and that show's still going, you need to think on this.
0: Draculas don't age a Dracula, is the same age as oh. when it. That's the whole point of being a Dracula.
1: Can I just suggest? <laughs> yeah, the Dracula is the name of a vampire. It is. I don't think you get like plural Draculas.
0: I think it is. I'm gonna. It's like Shrek's. It's the same as Shrek. <laughs> Works like a Shrek. That's
1: like calling wizards Potters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you don't. You don't just become a Potter. You no. know. Then that it sounds. like... It's
0: confusing because you know that's a different job. <laughs> So you can't call wizards potters because people go, "What? I'm a Potter." I go, okay, make me a pot. Well, I can do because I'm a wizard.
1: What about what about ghosts who are also potters? It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a
0: good question. That's the second best that's that's ghost-based joke uh, question I've been asked this month. Um, I'm glad about that, young Dracula. So, um, from the guilty feminist, you've been doing it a few years. Yep. Have you achieved equality yet with all the, with all your work? <laughs>
1: I'll be perfectly frank yeah. with you. I don't think I've been as successful as feminism, oh. at feminism as everyone hoped I would be. Right. And the gender equality gap still exists. Yeah. Um, the crowd look disappointed to hear this news. I'm
0: disappointed. I've been doing all I can to drag the average down for guys. I've been, <laughs> as, I've been as incompetent and <laughs> mediocre as I could possibly be. You've and done yet, still so we're doing, well. Still, I guess and it's the mediocrity is what we've... That's our brand, isn't it, men?
1: Listen, you do your bit for every International <laughs> Women's Day. You get online and you say, when's International Men's Day, oh, November 19th? You don't say, when's International Men's Day, to be fair? No. You all know Richard does this, yeah? Does anyone not they know do. about Although
0: this? I've stopped doing it, Deborah.
1: No, you do. I saw you doing it a bit. I you do a little, said I do a little, you little, stopped. I do a little
0: nod. I give it a little nod.
1: You said you stopped. Yeah. And then you started again. <laughs> it's, it's
0: hard my, to give up. Let's talk about it. I've been listening to the Guilty Feminists, which I do on and off. Because I know enough about feminism, I'm fine. I'm, I don't, I just need a little top-up every now and again.
1: He does his bit every year. <laughs> just a little top-up. And top that's, up. he doesn't need anymore. He doesn't need anymore. Every, if every man pulled their weight on one day of the year, we wouldn't need feminism. <laughs> He's picked a day. Although he has, as he said, given up. Yeah. And that's disappointing for feminists everywhere. Because <laughs> we finally get a man on board, and then he does it for a few years, and he goes, oh, this is really hard. Yeah, no shit. Yeah,
2: I don't have the option to give
1: up, Richard. I get out of bed a woman every day of the week. I wish I could give up being abused on the internet and fighting for equality, but I haven't got that luxury.
0: It is, uh, you know, it's true that uh, it's a <laughs> tiny window. Into that. Though to be fair, I get abused by feminists as well, so I get I get the double. Yeah, one. who doesn't? I suppose you do. That the have problem you, with Have you heard is, my podcast? Of it's course. got quite. A, it, I wasn't going to talk about this straight away, but it has become quite a <laughs> a fractured movement in some ways, hasn't it?
1: I mean, everything's become a fractured movement yeah. because the internet encourages uh, small communities to band behind very very simple ideas and uh, argue about them with completely. Uh, with with a hatred of nuance that is uh, a phenomenon of the modern modern world. And then we go, well, if you liked that person now, if you like their tweet, you're part of their gang. And it escalates in a way that I think is unhelpful. And my mission is to get conversations offline into rooms where people can see each other's eyes, or at least onto Zooms. (laughs) At least onto Zooms. I I don't think it's healthy or helpful. Uh, and I can already, I already know people are tweeting about this. If this goes into the podcast, people are going, but what you don't understand is, yada, 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 yada. So uh, I've learned to live with a certain amount of, uh, I, I don't want to use this word because people don't like this word. So I'm going to try and say uh, community flag waving. A certain amount of community flag waving yeah. and just going, you know, we'll ha- we, I will do my best to have bridge building conversations where I can. I'll always build a bridge to you, Richard, should you call me up and say, there's clear blue water between us. Have you got yeah. any bridge-building equipment? I'll be like, yep, yeah, I'm there with my bridge.
0: Well, it, no, it did used to be like that in the old days. We could disagree and, you know, we could have a conversation and we might persuade each other one way or the other.
1: Yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But I still have those conversations, yeah. but I just have them offline. Yeah. I build bridges all the time. And I have been with die-hard men who were like, I hate the Me Too movement. You are all destroying the modern world. I can't so much smile as a woman now without going to jail, even though they're in the middle of the BAFTAs. Um, and I'm like, okay, here, let me build a bridge to you. And so I give so much ground that I find if I build the whole bridge, they will often put one or two f- feet on it. They'll put a <laughs> yeah. foot on my bridge, and I might put another one on it. And then i retreat. But I feel like, you, you stood on my bridge then, didn't you? <laughs> stood on my bridge.
0: Yeah. Well, I think but that's, uh, that is a, a lot of what it's about, and that's what you are very good at. And that's what the podcast is very good at as well, I think, is is having the proper conversations and in a way that uh, Twitter isn't.
1: Oh, Twitter's a vile cesspit. But on the... I mean, I do think there are, there are... If someone's humanity or identity is being questioned, I don't expect that person to build a bridge. But if I'm being an ally, I think my job is to build a bridge. And I often see people on Twitter just going for people... In a way, and I'm like, you must have only learnt this in the last two years yourself. So when I see white people going after other white people, going yeah, blah, 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 because they've, you know, if they're being actively racist, that's one thing. But if they're being kind of, they haven't used the right word, and they're saying they're being a bit defensive, and I see them going after them with pitchforks, I'm like, I know I only learnt this in 2016, and I'm a bit ahead of the curve. So I don't, I don't reckon you learnt it before 2016. So in 2015 you were saying the same thing as this person, why are you going after them with a a pitchfork just to be right? Surely, uh, like my feeling is, if I meet someone who's racist, as an ally, it's my job to leave them no more racist than I found them. (laughs) (laughs) And what I I can't do is whip them up into a, a passively, like thoughtlessly... Surely it's the same for everyone now. A thoughtlessly racist person. They're stating a racist position that I can see is a position that makes life harder for black and brown people. Um, It's my job. I'm not emotionally affected by that issue. I might feel... I'm not personally emotionally affected. I might feel emotional about it. But it's my job to get them to be a little bit... to shift their position a little bit so that if that day they get on a bus where there are black and brown people, they're a bit nicer. Not a bit nastier because they've just had a big kick about fight on the internet and they feel like they've been punched up. And that's, to me, the problem with modern allyship is, is it takes time, it takes patience. Sometimes it's very difficult to do it, but that's your job if you want to be an ally. Otherwise, walk on by... Don't stir that nest.
0: But some people just want the some people want them to feel in that privileged position. You know, it's like you, you're you know you're you, know, you see it people going oh that person ten years ago said this, but if they're now saying the thing you want them to say, what what do you want? You know, they're now, now they're being a hypocrite because they've changed their mind. But if you if you wanting people to change their oh, mind, one hundred
1: percent, once I,
0: they've changed I, their mind, that's that's yeah, good and that's, I apologize. Otherwise,
1: what are we trying to do? Yeah. what are, are we trying to win people over? So our team is of inclusive. Uh, progressive people who make the world nicer for people who are not members of the dominant group If we've got to be what are we going for? Are we going to just punish those people or are we going to make our team bigger and make the world better? That's the question. I think people just love being right so much. It it is fun to be right. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) A lot of time I think what the guilty Feminist is is we all come together, have a great deal of fun being right together. Wasn't that a great night? Off we fuck. (laughs) And I think I think it's best when we're thinking about how do we make the world a better place. And sometimes that means being patient, having patient conversations with people who are not at base camp. Uh, yeah. for where you are
0: yeah
1: and that's no, why i've come to talk to you tonight richard
0: good well if you, if you can change my, my racism and sexism that would be terrific because just at the moment i love being racist and sexist So maybe after the podcast i'll regret that
1: richard herring is being ironic life. i i just need to state that
0: but you know i think it's true that you know if you go back to the 1980s i was racist and sexist and homophobic but i but i'm not anymore but, but were you
1: passively a, those things? I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, I was a child who you know who didn't know anything about anything. I wasn't affecting anything. I don't think. But but you
1: were you were but, saying things thoughtlessly or yeah. yeah.
0: Certainly, if you read my diary, I was saying things to my diary that were that were horrible um, because you know you don't know you know I was an idiot. I was a I was a kid. That's why I sort of, people pick up something someone's tweeted when they're sixteen. You go, didn't you have a diary? Didn't you? You know, if you'd put your diary on the internet, you'd be in as mm. much trouble as this. So you say things for effect. You say things because you don't understand. Or shock value, or something. yeah, shock value. You you know, and about. also in the 1980s, the
1: society's values were, were horrible. Fucked up. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So yeah. you know, it's it's it's. I think it's understanding that and and. Just
1: to, but just to be clear, this is not a Liam Neeson moment from you. It's just more like, oh, I was saying a shock joke or something like that. I think or I was, I was
0: just. I think every, I think everybody in the in the 1980s, everybody was. Just
1: horrible. Everyone was horrible in the 1980s. Was... Disgust. <laughs> Anyone here alive in the 80s? Just give us a cheer if you were alive in the 80s. Uh, just give us a cheer if you now look back on some of the things you said, thought and did with some measure of horror. Just give us a cheer if you don't regret anything you did or said or thought <laughs> in the 80s. Nobody, nobody, oh, well, it, no it, it, one from the 80s is spotless. And I would if hope we, any
0: teenager would have, you know, would have said something that they now regret, or any person would have said, you know, there are things that I've said five years ago, I think, oh, I wish I had I said
1: wish that. we had a DeLorean and we could go back to good old 1985 <laughs> and just see what Richard Herring was I like.
0: Th- I think I was at a pretty nice young man, but I think I was, you know, it was... Saying terrible
1: things in your diary.
0: Yeah, I mean, things that, you know... I wouldn't like to be on Twitter.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Thank God Twitter wasn't around. Because I was a Jehovah's Witness. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't think... I don't know how much social media they do, but I definitely would have been, like, anti... I mean, I didn't... In my heart, I didn't feel those things. But I knew I had to be, like, anti-abortion and things like that. And I struggled with it in a way. But in another way, you join a cult, and the difficult decision is to join the cult. After that every decision is made for you. And it, that's why people join cults, I think. I mean, I was a teenager, I didn't know what I was doing, but it's true. It's like, if you make the very difficult decision of joining a cult after that, everything gets easier because all decisions are made for you about what you think, what you say, what you do. Any, any, any former cult members in? Cheers, give us a cheer. Any current cult members in?
0: I'll show you. Rahalastapa.
1: Oh, that's true, yeah, yeah. Um, LAUGHTER if, if, I mean, I was a stand-in for homage but if but if, if people, if in any given audience of mine, generally, there will be extra Jehovah's Witnesses yeah. because, you know, they want to feel that connection because obviously I understand their, their pain. So if this had been advertised with me on the bill, there'd be former Jehovah's Witnesses in for sure. And so it's disappointing, if I'm honest. Um, Jalili, <laughs> you can be the former Jehovah's Witness for me tonight. What's your name? Robbie. No, it's Brother Robbie. <laughs> Brother Robbie, what congregation were you in? Yeah, well, just make up one. Where are you from? Um, uh, Oxford. Oxford Congregation. Yeah. yeah, Oxford North or Oxford South Congregation? <laughs> Sorry. South. S- Oxford South Congregation. How long were you a witness? Um, now, ten years. Ten years. Ten years. Were you just? Are you just You shunned now? Shunned. shunned completely shunned yeah. by friends and family. Yeah, 100%. What were you just for? <laughs> if you don't mind me asking. <laughs> Could, could be anything as innocent as putting up a christmas tree or anything as as uh, a non-innocent as murder uh I mean homosexuality is the honest answer, homosexuality is the honest answer. <laughs> thank you brother robbie you would very much be shunned for that <laughs> big round of applause for brother robbie very, brave. very brave i think
0: she's just indoctrinated you into the jehovah's witness i think it's a I mean, she's it's still working for them undercover she's got another one <laughs> that's true <laughs> sounds good doesn't it sounds all right
1: He's he's left again. <laughs> I got him in and out very quickly.
0: Yeah, well but uh, but the, but I think all these I think we've said this before but like all these you know all these little groups they are sort of, there's a there's a cult element to a podcast audience there's a oh, there's yeah. a cult element to a, a, you know a group on Twitter. So Everything
1: I've ever started is a bit like a cult yeah. if I'm completely honest. I I think if you've been in a cult it's very easy to accidentally start one. Yeah. <laughs> I've got it in my DNA. I just start them all the time and I, just, but, I try not to but yeah. it's very
0: difficult. But it's nice to start a cult that's Hopefully oh, it's we're doing the right thing. Was, they, you know. I suppose they all cults think that, don't they? Yeah. They think I'm doing this for the right reasons. Yeah. Uh,
1: I I just I think I said to you I just uh, backstage I just did ayahuasca uh-huh. and I had a massive freak out when I was up there that I was in a cult. Um, when i was up the mountain i'll tell you about it in a bit when you ask me about it but yeah let's I,
0: talk about let's talk about it. i was going to talk because you do mention this in your in one of the recent uh, guilty feminists so you you went to, to peru is it I, I,
1: no i went to no, spain. spain i didn't okay. I, I and i i have to say you well the the shaman was from peru right but you can go to peru to work with him or you can go to spain and he'll come to peru but we all said all the 15 people i was up this mountain with 15 total strangers. Um, We we all said, thank God we're not in the Amazon on top of this intensity, like worrying about snakes. (laughs) Like, can you imagine worrying about like, like mosquitoes and, you know, hot weather and thank God we're doing it in a privileged Western way up a lovely (laughs) Spanish mountain in very mild weather, we said to each other.
0: So for the people like me who have not had shamanistic experiences or many drugs apart, I've had magic mushrooms. So yes. that's the closest.
1: You've not done drugs, you but again we were you were you were young in the
0: eighties. I know, but I was very I you, was
1: you didn't smoke dope or no, not really. No I've had what, some but not really. I didn't no really like it. Ecstasy jumping out rapes and i, had, of raves I think in the 90s. I've
0: had not in the nineties. I had a half a tab of ecstasy in about two thousand and five.
1: Very specific,
0: uh, and I know, but I can. I know how many. You know, I've had about cocaine about three times, but again, when I was in my thirties. Wow. I wouldn't do it when I was young because I was scared of affecting my brain. So let's see how it's gone for you.
1: <laughs> well, do you know? I didn't want to do psychedelics for the same reason. Because yeah. literally, my only skill is—I uh, don't know—is that literal? I think it is. It's virtually. It feels literal. Um, my only skill is the speed of my brain. That's all I've got. And every single thing I can do is based on the speed of my brain, the way that I can kind of mind map or make a connection or throw something out here or pick something up there. So I do the podcast, I do stand-up comedy, I, do, uh, I speak in the corporate world to uh, people about diversity and inclusion, and it's all about a fast brain. And I just thought, what if I have one psychedelic experience that slows my brain down even a little bit and I can't do this job anymore because I don't know how I'd go working in a shop now, I'm <laughs> honest. I don't think I'd be very good at it. I think I'd be numpty. I yeah. don't think I could work in a cafe. I'm terrible in an office. Rubbish. So what would I do? I've got a lot of life left, Richard. Yeah, well,
0: this is, it's a risk. So what made you decide to give this a go? Well... And how does it work?
1: I'm, I'm talking about it in my current stand-up show, yeah. which is at the Soho Theatre in April, two weeks. Come and see me in the basement. It's not a cult. And... <laughs> okay. Uh, the show is called The Guilty Feminist Stands Up. And in that, I talk about opening my marriage and exploring my bisexuality and also about uh, taking magic mushrooms. But I did a medicinal dose with a therapist. I've never like been at a festival and wanted to do mushrooms or anything like that. Um, I was always too nervous of it. But this guy was a proper therapist. Um, in the show, he's called Lars because that's a Dutch name. And in the show, we're calling it Amsterdam where I did the mushrooms, where I did the truffles, which were, were the mushrooms, which were calling truffles, because that's what's legal to do in Amsterdam. Um, uh, so, of course, I'm not acknowledging that I did it in a seaside town in Britain, <laughs> where I'm not allowed to do it. Okay. So it's, if you come along and see this, you will see the legal version. Now, if you are from law enforcement, all of this is comedy. <laughs> all of this is a joke. It's a story. It's made up. It's fiction. If you're not from law enforcement, it actually happened, <laughs> and I'm saying Amsterdam for my own reasons. Um, so I did those mushrooms first, and I did it because this two years in lockdown, Richard, has really changed my life. Yes. I, oh my god.
0: I were well, thinking about you in lockdown. I think you know because you're so in you know you're so social and out there and doing stuff. And, I am. And always busy.
1: I'm here. I'm there. Yeah. I'm every fucking where. I'm Roy Kent. Yeah. Um, I'm no Ted Lasso fans in, um, clearly. <laughs> uh, I I was, I was you know, touring and I'm in Australia and I'm going to a show in New York and I'm going to go and do this conference here and blah, blah, blah. And when you're living like that, you don't have time to face your demons. You're just you're too busy. Mm-hmm. I'm getting on a plane. What, why would I be thinking about what's going on inside of me? And in that two years of lockdown... Is this too serious for your show? No, it's great. Are you sure? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know Stephen Fry cried on your show, <laughs> but I don't have his status. I don't know. These people come for laughs. I'll get to the laughs in a minute. Um, I, in that two years of lockdown, I had to face my demons. I had to look in the mirror and go, here are some things that don't quite work. And because I'd been adopted at 10 days old and the first 10 days in the hospital i was completely alone except for the nurses i'm mean, nervous i wasn't just left alone under mm. a bush but i didn't have a main carer like i had you know whichever nurse was on shift feeding yeah. me and i discovered in lockdown by doing some talk therapy which i'd always before eschewed because i thought oh, sitting around talking about my problems to frankly in my experience a very wealthy disinterested woman in north london <laughs> who charged me a fortune like this happened twice when i was feeling really down i went for six weeks of therapy twice in my life and both times it was a very judgmental north london woman who was very cross if i was five minutes early and very cross if i was five minutes late and that didn't make me feel any better about myself at all and then i would sit and tell her i'm feeling this and this and this and at one point i was really having a crisis and going i don't know what i'm doing with my life or my career and i wasn't making any money and she would be like well this is my home and it was you know she had a ferrari in the gar- garage i think you know it was all just dispiriting the whole thing was dispiriting I said this once on the Guilty Firm, so It went down very well with the therapists. Uh, <laughs> they explained to me that this wasn't good therapy and it wasn't right for me and I hadn't found the right connection and it was like dating and I had to find the right one. I was like, fucking hell, I don't have time for that. Jesus, I have to go on a hinge for a therapist. <laughs> Fuck off. But I discovered in lockdown, because we're all on Zoom, right? You don't have to be in the room with anyone. I realised I could have a New York analyst. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you want ice? You go to Iceland? You want therapy you go to new york right <laughs> so i found this woman in new york and she confirmed uh what other therapists had tried to tell me that i hadn't listened to which is that first 10 days does affect you and while you cannot remember you cannot recall you can remember the body remembers that time and i then watched started watching lectures about it and when you come out your brain goes into fight or flight um because you're taken from your carer and um you're taken from your mother mm. so um, here's the thing, while your brain is in fight or flight, newborn babies are notoriously shit at fighting and fleeing <laughs> due to very useless arms and legs, not to rag on babies. but Yeah,
0: no, they, they're, they're pricks.
1: <laughs> Listen, some of them are. Some of them are lovely, but they're all bad, at yeah. for, poor, poor at fighting and fleeing. So then your brain goes into, got to fight, got to flee, and your arm's are like, poop, mm-hmm, poop, poop. And so your breathing is agitated, and all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but that part I only discovered about the breathing up the mountain when I had a chat to Mother Ayahuasca, true story. Um, so also when I left the cult, you know, Brother Robin and I both know. <laughs> um, when I left the cult, it was I was shunned, and that really replicated being adopted, being given away, being relinquished. So I needed to figure it the fuck out. And some things, especially if they're pre-verbal and pre-personality, you can talk at it all day long. But its I think talk therapy is great for discovering why, but then sometimes you need more. Because, like, if I break my arm and I don't instantly know why, and then I go, oh, my God, I ran up the stairs and I fell over and I just kept going. And then I came back and was going, oh, my arm's really sore and I just forgot, but someone reminded me, no, you you fell up arm I figured it out fell up the stairs you're healed now that's what talk therapy can feel like it's like yeah but I'm still broken I still need a cast no heal yourself you know why that's good enough and that's sometimes a therapist they'll go but that's because your mum always did that and you go "Mm hmm. still get that same feeling though and so psychedelics especially if something's pre-verbal pre-personality can take you into the part of your brain that you need to talk to to communicate and Sort it all out. And they say it's like turning a laptop on and off again. Like you rewire.
0: Right. So do you think it's... it's Has it, it, is, is it, is it worked in that sense, do you think? Or is it, is it, a, is it a process by which you are keep doing it?
1: The first ceremony yeah. that I did... And you're up a mountain. You've got... you with a Peruvian shaman some other people running the retreat. You lie on a mattress in the dark, in the pitch black. You take a drink first in the, in the candlelight. Then you lie back down on your mattress in the dark. And you have this experience. Well, for me, I shouldn't say you. I had this experience. Everyone has a different experience. Everyone I've talked to found it very healing. And the whole group I was in all on the WhatsApp afterwards found it very healing. Um, but I can only speak to my own experience. Psychedelics are very personal. It was the most remarkable experience of my life. And at the end of that, I guess it was like three hours long, I came out and I was like, that is healed. That is never coming back. And I was like 100% sure. And I've been back a couple of months now and it's, it's healed. I'll go, I'll have experiences where I'm triggered by something and normally I would be and I just feel calm and peaceful and no pain at all and just like, oh, it's miraculous. It's miraculous. Unbelievable.
0: Because someone told, I've got aphantasia where so I can't see any mental images in, in the traditional way. So if I close my eyes, I can't see anything. But someone said psychedelic drugs is a good way to
1: (laughs) overcome that. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And listen, psychedelics, just to be clear, I'm not advocating psychedelics for everyone. Don't run out and go, oh, I've got to immediately just knock back some psychedelics. Please don't do that. Say no to drugs kids and stay in school. But if you are going to treat it as a medicine and you're going to go, if you feel the call, if what I'm saying, they say you get the call, I got the call because my friend called me, and said, "Deborah, you've got to do this. And she said, but don't do it now. You're going to get the call. I said, Sarah, this is the call. It's a literal... You've literally called me. She <laughs> said, no, it's going to be more spiritual than that. You're going to feel the call. Um, she said, the opportunity to do our is just going to come up in your life, and you'll get the call. And you know it did? Because I Googled it, and <laughs> found out where a retreat was, yeah. and went there. Okay. And she was 100% right. I got the call. And But I'd done a lot of work before, and I think it's not... A silver bullet is a silver invitation, for sure. My first ceremony I'd done all the work before because that just that was healed. My second ceremony, I needed to do the work after because it was a deeper thing I hadn't really tapped into yet. And the third ceremony, I just I can't explain what I saw. It was beyond anything I expected to see. But it was and I don't want to mock this at all, because it was like seeing the divine and being connected to something super primal. But I did say to the people who ran the retreat, I did say, I didn't ask for that. That was so intense. I said, you need to put that on the website, (laughs) that it's possible to be connected with the divine and have an experience. You might see things you don't know that you want to see. Like, I was like, I came for a little, like, trauma healing. I did not expect this. And I was like, what do I do with this information now? And the guy who ran it just said, enjoy the rest of your life. And I was like, this be a cult, in, tell me more, Like invite <laughs> me back. And he was like, you're free to go. I was like, I, I, I prefer the cult model where you look after me.
0: Do you know which god is the real one from that? Um, Can you tell us which one to worship?
1: Uh, and it's, it's sort of not like that. No. It's more primal than that. But I will tell you, I had some funny conversations with yeah. Mother Ayahuasca, very funny conversations. Right. Um, at one point, I was... <laughs> It was. I was feeling my body, thinking about like one of my intentions. You set an intention, so you might go, you know, I want to get right with the '80s. You know, I want to mm-hmm. let the trauma of the '80s go. I'm, I'm cool with it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what what how, would you? Can you imagine an intention you might have? Like anything from your past that you might want to? I don't want to put you on the spot here, Richard. You don't have to say, but could you even imagine maybe not telling us or telling yeah. us?
0: Um, I'm sure there's some stuff in there that I could deal with. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. So you set your intention. Yeah. Let's imagine it's um, putting to rest the trauma of every International Woman's Day. Yeah. Okay. okay. So you go with that intention <laughs> and, uh, and you then give that to Mother Ayahuasca and Mother Ayahuasca uh, can appear to you as a woman, yeah. um, as a literal woman. It's not... When I say this, sometimes people say, oh, you mean like the shaman? And I'm like, no, no, no. It's a woman you hallucinate who represents Mother Earth. I mean, it sounds weird. Should I not be talking about this? Are people going to be like Deborah's lost it?
0: Um, definitely, yeah. But that doesn't—that doesn't mean you shouldn't talk about. Oh it. no,
1: I know. I take it back. Take I mean, it people will say
0: that because people will say that. about any experience it's, like
1: this—it's absolutely amazing. But there was one experience I had when I was quite deep in this. I don't want to call it a trip because that sounds like drugs, and it is a medicine. It's not drugs makes things clouded, and they drugs can take you away from your real emotions. So if you're feeling sad and you go and do some ecstasy it can elevate your mood or you're feeling ordinary and you're at a festival and you want to really feel in the hypey mode and forget the fact you have to sleep in a tent, you you take the ecstasy and then you're like, I feel really amazing, oh my god, I'm so connected to you, oh, let me just touch your shirt, oh, you're amazing, Richard Herring. That's what ecstasy can do. But it's really stopping, it's blocking my real feelings, which is I'm at this festival, I'm feeling a bit low at the moment or I'm feeling a bit disconnected, I'm feeling a bit worried about the world. Um, you're fine, Richard. I don't love you excessively or want to touch you. Ecstasy, you're a lovely man. You're a lovely man. I love Richard Herring, don't get me wrong. But if I took some ecstasy now, I would think I loved him more than I did. And I would, you know, want to stroke him. So what what (laughs) drugs do is they heighten or they block your real emotion and they replace it with a fake emotion. Like, I'm overly confident because I've done cocaine. And my personal theory on drugs is people take the wrong drugs. I'm not against drugs, but I think people take the drugs that are in line or intensify their natural personality. So, like, hippies drop out, then smoke a lot of dope and drop out further, whereas stockbrokers buy and sell too much stuff and then take a load of cocaine and buy and sell so much stuff, they explode a bank and in my opinion, stockbrokers should take a joint and chill the fuck out. <laughs> and hippies should have a line and get a fucking job. But you tell people that and they don't want to hear it. No one wants to hear it. No one wants to hear the wisdom. But I knew that before I went up the mountain. This is medicine, Richard. This is yeah. medicine. Okay. The reason it's not a drug is it doesn't cloud your emotion and put you in an artificial state. It heightens your clarity, and it puts you in the most heightened, connected state so you can see the truth. and f- or, or at least it did that for me, and again, that's a very personal thing. Um, you have to absolutely know where you're going. You have to know who you're doing it with, that you're supported, and that you really want to do it. If it doesn't sound like your thing, don't do it. Um, but uh, I had this very funny conversation where I was feeling my thighs and... As a feminist, I know I love all of my body all of the time and I'm just very body positive. However, the truth is, gang, there are times I don't like my thighs. I think they're too big and I try and fight that feeling because obviously, feminism. But I was feeling my thighs under the blanket, in the pitch black, in this heightened state. (laughs) And Mother Ayahuasca said to me, if you hate your thighs, you hate me because I am you and you are me. You're made of the earth. And then I put my hand on my belly and she said, a woman's belly needs to be rounder than a man's belly because for within it she contains the whole earth. And I said, Mother Earth, are you being trans exclusionary? (laughs) And she said, no, it's a metaphor in that voice. And I said, Mother Ayahuasca, are trans women women? And she said... Yes, trans people are the most uh, sacred people on earth because within them they contain both the tobacco and the ayahuasca, the masculine and the feminine. And I thought she was avoiding the question. (laughs) And I was suspicious. I wasn't, like, asking her to prove it. I was like, what's going on here? So I just said, are trans women women? And she went, yes, everyone knows who they are. And they will tell you if you will just listen. And I really wish I'd asked about competitive sports now. What a golden (laughs) opportunity. I was talking to Mother Earth. And I didn't ask... We moved on. The shaman finished his ikaro, So the shaman's singing a song. And sometimes when they finish the song, the chapter ends of that part of the the experience and you go into another chapter. And then we moved on to something else. But if I went back, I'd ask more questions because I I feel like I was there talking to Mother Earth. And at one point, I got this absolute fear on... I just felt this love, like I'd never experienced love before and beauty like I'd never experienced before... And then I heard the man on the mattress next to me vomiting. And I heard all of these people, because you, you purge. And I was having this blissful experience. And I felt, I felt this um, water here. And I, I licked it like that. And it was tasted salty. And it was as real as if I dipped my hand in that water. It was so real. And I said, what is this? Like It's like tears. And she said, no, that's your third eye opening. I shouldn't be telling this. Can you cut this out? People are going to think I'm insane. But it's really what happened. And then I suddenly heard men vomiting around me and I just went, oh, my God, I'm in a cult. Oh, my God. I saw these psychedelic images, you know, there's those, those uh, kaleidoscopes. Yeah. And I went, oh, my God, I'm in a cult. I'm in a cult. I'm in a cult. I am in a doomsday. I'm in a, I'm like, I'm in a, a Jonestown cult. I've literally drunk the Kool-Aid of my own volition. <laughs> and my conscious went, you're not in a cult. You've paid to be here. And I was like, do you not know anything about cults? Of course I'm fucking paid to be here. That's how cults work. 101 cult, you pay to be there. They want your money. And then my conscious was like, yeah, but you, you're leaving on Sunday. You're not in a cult. You can leave. You can leave any you want, but you're leaving on Sunday. Well, how do we know? How do we know? That's what they've said. That's what they've said. What if they say on Sunday, oh, the car's broken down? What if... You can leave right now if you want. I said, I can't leave this room because they they have a rule before the end of the ceremony. They just don't want loads of people on ayahuasca wandering around falling into ditches. (laughs) Totally right thing to do. Totally fair enough. The absolute right thing to do. But in that moment, I was like, you can't leave this room. That's a cult. That's a cult. And then my conscious went, but yesterday, the last ceremony, you got so much healing and peace. Didn't you? And I went, yeah, that's not like a cult. That's true. That's not like a cult. And then Mother Earth said... That's why she can come, meaning my conscious. And I said, to be fair, Mother Ayahuasca, I've had a great track record with cults. (laughs) And she laughed and I was surprised. And she said, why are you surprised that I have a sense of humour? I am the earth. You are from me. If you have a sense of humour, where do you think you got it? And I thought, okay, fair enough, I'm not in a cult. And I can see now in the cold light of day that Mother Earth telling me she has a sense of humour isn't the greatest evidence in the world that I'm not in a cult. <laughs> but at the time, it really seemed cast iron. Anyway, I cannot, listen, I can't, I can't recommend you just run off and do, it is amazing and it is healing, but I can't recommend you do it unless you really want to do it. And the only place that I can recommend, and I only say this because I just don't feel safe with people going online, is a place I went called APL, uh, shamanic journeys and you can go on their website um, and I loved my shaman was called a nail he was from Peru and that's all I can recommend um, I'm not in a cult <laughs> but that's what I can recommend and it was it was incredible absolutely yeah. incredible and I do feel much healed Richard
0: well I'm glad that it's worked for you it's you know I don't think it's for me but you know like like no, then but, it, isn't. Then but it I, isn't but I think or, but a lot of things you were saying I think you know it, it's it's um you know i think you can experience things in life i mean i think like going through an illness last year sort of completely changed my perspective on stuff Mm. like in a really positive way so like losing something and thinking about what i wanted in that moment so it's you know it's you can get to these places in different ways i think is what i'm saying but i I, I think my perspective of what i who i needed to be and what i needed to do completely shifted last year
1: a hundred percent there are all sorts of epoch making things in our life yeah people can get there with meditation i don't think you need psychedelics if it doesn't appeal to you you can absolutely get there with meditation um i think for me i did need it because the things i was unlocking were pre-verbal and pre-personality um And I saw like parts of my life because it activates your memory centre ayahuasca and I could remember like the geography of my house from when I was very small and then we moved when I was a toddler and I checked in with my family and I was right about the geography of the house that I saw. And it does, that doesn't surprise me because they know if you put a brain under an MRI machine that's had ayahuasca, they know it activates your memory centre and also your epiphany centre. You can have these little epiphanets but even after you've done it, you keep having these epiphanets. yeah um but it does you don't need to do it you can do there's so many other ways of getting in touch and i think exactly what you've talked about like having a big medical emergency that makes you look at your mortality in a yeah. different way can absolutely give you the same perspective
0: yeah and you know i think you've had an unusually you know difficult life in the, in the things you're talking about you know an unusually eventful and a lot of things for you to cope with psychologically that this sounds like it's been the right thing for you. So
1: I mean, for a middle-class white lady, sure. Yeah, like I'm a Western. You know, I, I've had, yeah, I've I've had a lot of remarkable things happen given my privilege. Um, there There is people in the world who would look at my life and just be like, mm-hmm. "Fuck me, she's had an easy ride."
0: <laughs> well, of course, but that's true, that's that's true of anyone from any uh, any direction. You can we can always find someone who's had a, a, a more difficult life. um i mean obviously you've got you return to stand up and you're talking about you know you're talking very openly as you do in the podcast about your life and uh, and now having an open marriage which is interesting i mean i was thinking about it and for me i don't think it's a good idea because the the interest would be all for one member of the relationship which is not me <laughs> so, so i'm not think... sure i'm not sure it would be a, i mean i don't want to have an open relationship Cause i'm too old for that anyway but i also don't want my wife to go from fuck loads of people and i don't get any which is what would happen in it i mean you've seen her, you andy yeah. yeah i mean you don't have to sugarcoat it
1: she's a very beautiful woman she is. and if you ever do open your marriage please yeah. let me know so i can ask katie out
0: okay that's fine <laughs> she might be up for it she might be up for it i mean i don't i like imagining it but i don't want it to happen um
1: I, I, I was the tricky thing was asking my husband. I decided I wanted to do it. I, yeah. I went to New York, and I ended up. What happened was I ended up. The reason I opened my marriage is I, is I, I wanted to do it for various reasons. But I ended up at an underwear party on Fire Island, and have you, have you been to Fire Island? No, oh, I've not been do anywhere. Fire, do you know Fire Island? No, it's an island off Manhattan where the gay men, the fabulous gay men of Manhattan, go for the summer or you know summer jaunts. Yeah. And it's just really a strip of sand. With it's it's as probably about as wide as this theatre, um, but there's like cottages up and down, like beach houses, and there's no roads, there's no street lighting or anything like that. It's just beach houses and then a couple of nightclubs that look like school halls, and m- lots of booze and fun. Um, and uh, I ended up dancing in my pants with Alan Cumming, funnily enough, at an underwear party and uh that night uh i met some gay men who explained to me that the difference between married and buried as they referred to it and <laughs> said you know you don't need you can be in an emotionally monogamous marriage and then set some ground rules and you know you just cuz you just cuz you love each other doesn't mean you have to bore each other
2: mm-hmm.
1: doesn't mean you have to stop each other being happy and that was a new concept uh you know like monogamy has i think really Taken off in a way that's having a moment, um, and I even as I say this, I can see, I can feel the tension in the audience. It feels like people start to panic and they start clutching their partner like they're a handbag in a crowded marketplace. Like, don't worry, if listen,
0: none of these people have partners, it's fine. If you,
1: <laughs> if <laughs> if you if you love monogamy and that works for you, then that's disappointing for you. But there's nothing you can do about it. Um, you're not, you can't catch it. We can't catch an open relationship. Um, But the tricky thing was asking my husband when I came back, going, okay, this is what I want. So I thought I'll WhatsApp him. Because I thought then he can always say lol (laughs) if he doesn't want to. And if he doesn't say lol and he goes, what do you mean? And starts to get upset, I can say lol. Do you know what I mean? And I can then just send loads of emojis, laughing and going, oh, it's so hard to read tone on WhatsApp. (laughs) That's the way you should ask. That's my only tip for you any difficult question that you think how are they going to take it all you do is you whatsapp it and then they can say lol and if they don't you can say lol like can I date your mum lol (laughs) can I have your dog lol do you see how it works can I invite you home Robin lol (laughs) is your name still Robin Robbie Robbie, like Williams (laughs) have I called you Robin a couple of times I think I did a mnemonic of Robert, Robbie Williams and ended up with Robin Williams in my head, so if, that's my nickname for you. <laughs> anyway, that's what I talk about it in my show, Shut but up. it's not a threatening show. Just to be clear, I don't want you to come along and think, "Oh my God, if I come to this show, my marriage will automatically open." It won't.
0: So you, was your husband was okay about it, or was it? Was it?
1: My husband's an amazing man. My well, husband's an amazing man. Oh, he really is. He he said to me, "Well, the worst thing about that was it was really terrible." He, I didn't just throw it in his WhatsApp. I waited for an appropriate bit of banter. We're having some bounce, having some bounce. And then I said, <laughs> how about no relationship? And I fucking kid you not, this is true. The next thing I heard was his key in the door and he hadn't read the message. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. He's going to come and read it in front of me. He's going to come and sit next to me and read it in front of me, read it in front of me. And I was really in a panic. Anyway, he came in and he sat down and he said, so you want an open relationship, do you? He'd read the notification. <laughs> And I said, no. And he then said, um, he then said, look, I'm going to say to you now what I said to you at the beginning of our marriage. Um, if, if this marriage ever makes you less than you are or less than you could be, you should leave it. Because a marriage is meant to be a relationship, it's meant to be an anchor and a nest, a place you can come home safely to. So that you can fly free and experiment. And you know, if everything goes wrong, you've got someone to come home to. And this is a safe place. If, it's just, if you just anchored and nested and you're not using it as a safe base, what's it for? And he said, I know it's not about me and it's not about us. It's about you and your fucked up adolescence. So um, off you go. And I just thought that was so lovely. And that's why I will never leave him. I'll never leave him because he is just such an incredible man like that. Um, I was talking to someone yesterday about how someone ripped me off... Uh, ripped me off, this an awful thing. Someone who was a... Have you ever heard of the Tinder swindler? Yeah, yeah not him. <laughs> um, someone I met told me a story about that they were very ill. Right. And they needed money. And I gave them that money and then it turned out... Didn't know them very well. And there were a few red flags, but I didn't listen to those. And then someone else contacted me and this person was texting everyone all of these different stories and we all compared texts and she was just this is how she was getting by by lying and taking people's money and I told Tom and I said I'm really sorry but I have given 600 quid away that I don't think we're going to get back and this person was is a con artist and I'm sorry I've given her money away and Tom said well, I hope we've learned nothing from this. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Yeah. He was like, I hope next time someone says, I'm ill and I need some money, we don't look back on that. We don't start thinking, everyone who says they're ill and needs money is a liar and a con um, artist. And, and also, I felt sorry for this person because I thought they, uh, they clearly had yeah. issues and mm-hmm. you know, this wasn't the way that they wanted to live their life, I'm sure. But it was just a lovely response and I think he's just a lovely man and, and and that it can make you stronger it can make you stronger but again it's not for everyone psychedelics and open relationships not for everyone <laughs> not for hardly anyone probably lots of people here are going no
0: I think it's you know I think it's interesting that the world is uh, adapting and changing you know like I mean I lived in an open relationship for the first 40 years of my life and that most of the relationships I had were sort of open uh Without necessarily the other person knowing all the time, or I was just you know not going out with people, you know. I was, but yeah. I, so I was seeing different people. I was fairly good in relationships, to be fair, but not always. Um, but you know, I think it's you know the, when you think about parents' generation, that we, it was sort of so set that you had to be in these couples and it had to be these kind of people. And it had to be for life. You know, it had to be for life, and you know that can work for some people. It's worked for my parents, I think, but it doesn't work for most people um uh, or a lot of people it doesn't work for so it's you know it's good that people can be whoever they want to be and I, I suppose a lot of it is uh sort of the bisexual sexual uh, uh, bisexual element of your life as well which has obviously come to the fore as well so that's that sort of changes
1: yeah what and i haven't done loads honestly no. i haven't really taken advantage of this open door <laughs> policy partly because I had a really incredible experience and thought, my God, this is going to be, I was on broad and I think it's easier on tour, isn't it? Because you're kind of away from your nest and your local community. And I was like, I was on tour and I had this incredible experience, my first experience with a woman. And I, I was like, wow, this is going to be my year of sapphic exploration and fulfillment. And I landed back at Heathrow on the 1st of March, 2020. (laughs) and truly believe that I brought the pandemic on with (laughs) sapphic hubris. (laughs) Um, but I haven't done a lot about it to be honest, but just knowing I can, if that opportunity arises and sometimes exploring that, I just don't want to be on my deathbed going, maybe I was bisexual Yeah, and I didn't explore that. And how is that a threat to my husband? You know, it's not like we've been together so long. Like it's not, I don't think it's not, it doesn't feel like a threat as long as I name it and say, this is. Are you cool with that? And if he'd said no, I'm not cool with it. I'd be like, well, I'm not going to ditch our marriage over it. But I thought if he is open to it, then that would be yeah. like a great thing to explore.
0: Yeah, well, it's definitely true as well that I think a relationship—you know—there's a lot of relationships that aren't honest. <laughs> there's a lot. There's a, there's a lot of people having affairs or wishing they were having affairs, uh, and don't talk about it. So, like, just being talking about it is a is always a good thing. I think whatever. The yeah. result and whatever you decide because it's it's a, a relationship's got to have honesty at its heart yes most of the time don't always tell the truth because there's some things you should lie about but <laughs> like you know if they say is this do i look no i won't say anything but not about yeah. having good Did, with this dress just
1: about to walk out the door <laughs> is this dress okay and you think it's not my favourite but they're just about to walk out the door to go to a wedding and it's not good to undermine their confidence and go you look better in the blue one
0: or just I don't care (laughs) <laughs> which they both look okay to me i don't care
1: no that's not a good thing to no. say no so you're better off saying you look amazing i love that dress yeah yeah, yeah really really suits you yeah. because you want to give that person confidence even yeah. if richard and i can't imagine you don't care but even if even if <laughs> on a, there was one day where you didn't care you'd be like
0: well i love my wife so much it doesn't matter what she's wearing or what her hair looks like she's wonderful so,
1: she would hear that as backhanded, wouldn't she? She'd immediately go, what do you mean doesn't matter what I look like or what my hair looks like? What's wrong with my hair?
0: Oh, yes, yeah, she'd manage to, to turn anything into... <laughs> you know what they're like, those women.
1: Are you reading from your 1980s diary? Then? 1982, Richard Herring gets out of bed.
0: Uh, but I wouldn't have known what they were like in 1982 as I'd not spent any time with any women <laughs> or I'd probably even really kissed anyone by that stage, so... I'd like to think I was an expert. Well, that's, that's, that's all kind of incredibly interesting stuff. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, but it's obviously been... I mean, so we last spoke in about 2018 when we did the crossover episode, or 2019. So it's kind of all happened post-lock... Mm-hmm. Well, during the lockdown or post-lockdown.
1: Before... Well, I opened my relationship before the lockdown, it, but yeah, just all it. of the psychedelics was, yeah. to, you know, when we came out, because I just had realised in lockdown that I just needed to do something to process those things that had happened because i was blocking myself i was just blocking myself on all sorts of things and i just was didn't know why i was blocking myself does anyone ever do things where you go why am i doing this i know this doesn't make me happy and yet i'm doing it again oh still doing it still doing it and does anyone else have that or is that just me just cheer if you have that (laughs) yeah cheer if you get in your own way and you can't figure out why yeah that was me and then i was like okay i'm This lockdown period has made me, forced me to look at that. Because I think before I could always blame others and the world. I could always be like, well, it's because I'm in so many airports or it's because I'm, you know, know, it's very difficult to keep up routines that are good for me when I'm doing this or doing that. There was always someone else to blame. When you are trapped in your house morning noon and night and you were only legally allowed to go for one walk and that actually bonded my husband and me because we realized if we had a row we could only legally storm out once a day (laughs) and then you're stuck with it so then we were like okay we better be kind to each other because otherwise we're going to be like fuming and then both have to be here um and so uh i think in that time i was like okay if i'm not doing the things that i say would make me happy now When nobody else is controlling my time. I was working very hard. I had writing deadlines and stuff. But no one else is controlling my time. There aren't... This isn't the fault of an airport or because, oh, well, I, you know, did this or that. This is me now. This is me getting in my own way. How do I get out of my own way? So I did a bunch of therapy and figured out when my friend called me, I went, yeah, that's what I need. I got the call. I got the call. And I never, you know, I was such a rationalist richard before this i only believed in things i could knock on which was ironic for a jehovah's witness but i did i I, if you couldn't prove it to me the sexiest thing a man could say to me was prove it absolutely prove it i didn't believe in any of this stuff and i don't know what it is i don't know what it is but what i do know is if you're going to approach it from a scientific point of view there is neuroscience in we're 50 years behind in psychedelics research because of nixon's war on drugs Um, Because, And someone in the White House at the time said, the the conversations were specifically had, we cannot arrest people for being African-American and we cannot arrest people for being against the the Vietnam War. But what do those two communities have in in common? We can go after them, we can make this big song and dance about drugs, 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 they're the enemy, they're going to steal your children, yada, yada, yada. So psychedelics were becoming big in the 60s and they knew they knew then they can heal depression they can cure addiction they can heal they can heal uh, post traumatic stress disorder and they've got to be done well and in the right way and as a medicine and not just you know i'm not just talking about taking some mushrooms at a festival and seeing the face of god in a kitten as a child like it's not that they've got to be done properly. And I'm not sure they work for everyone and as quickly as they've worked for me. I'm not saying that, but we know that there are healing properties. And Nixon's war on drugs killed it, so we're 50 years behind. And that does make me angry. But then I said to my husband, but why would the pharmaceuticals industry not get on this? Because they would just rebrand. I mean, they're so powerful. They're lobby in America. They can get whatever they want. And, uh, and then I thought about it, and I thought, if someone's got PTSD, and that can be healed In one to three sessions. Why would the pharmaceuticals industry not want that when they can sell you a pill every day of your life for the rest of your life? Just, you know. But there's a lot of research being done now, and my talk therapist, my analyst that I have now in New York, she said in New York at the universities there there's so there's the whole departments devoted to it, and quite soon uh, psychedelics will be uh, available with therapists and MDMA for couples counseling and to open up people with PTSD and therapy microdosing um but if you listen to I just did a guilty feminist with Hannah Gadsby, and she talked about microdosing with MDMA um for nanette that's how she wrote Nanette her big. Mm -hmm. amazing show
0: well you know i think if it works for you that's that's good i'm not going to encourage my listeners to take drugs
1: no they shouldn't they shouldn't take drugs richard and i
0: think you know the 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 problem with the 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 problem with psychedelics seems to be that you know i mean i I, i've seen a lot of comedians and uh, and these are people just wildly taking drugs which is not what you're doing no um but it does you know it, it, you suddenly see them twenty years later, and they're talking like insane stuff. Which I don't think this is. By the way, I don't. I don't God, know.
1: Is it, does it sound insane? I don't think it's does insane. It it's, insane.
0: It's, it's, it's like connection with nature and yeah, spirituality, yeah. and that's fine. And, you can and, do that. And, and, and in your lots own of parts ways, of, of your brain fine. you
1: can't contact any other way, where you can have the conversation with yourself. Yes, yeah. yeah. but
0: it's when you start, you know, thinking that Bill Gates is putting robots in your bloodstream and that sort of stuff. But I think a lot of people who've oh, taken, he is. yeah, he's definitely doing it. But I'm it's getting... when it's thinking it's the problem because the robot should stop you thinking that,
1: right? Does this sound... Is that, can I just get a... Ch- if you think this sound, Do I sound very odd now? Like, you used to sound like a completely rational comedian and now I sound, like, slash feminist and now I sound... Do I sound a bit insane? Can you just... You have to be honest with me because I need to know if I shouldn't be talking about this stuff on stage. i never, never talked about... I talk about some of this stuff on my stand-up show but I'm being more open with Richard because I'm filling in with filling in for Amma Lily, and I want it to be less... <laughs> Don't Omid was going to talk it. about
0: this as well. That's why it's partly.
1: That...
0: I just gave her the script for Omid. And he's yeah, gone, exactly.
1: He's... This is Omid's story. Just give us a cheer if you think, oh no, this sounds awful. You shouldn't be talking about this in public. Give us a cheer if you, if you find it interesting. Yes. Give us a cheer if I should talk about this again. Okay, yes. so if you're listening at home and you're thinking, oh no, you're out of step with the audience, <laughs> at least that.
0: It's always the you know. I think it's uh, it's it's very important to hear people's experiences. It's the kind of thing I think someone will email me and say, "I'm a scientist and I would like to come on and tell you why Deborah Francis White is incorrect about this," which I might then do.
1: Oh yeah, I mean, but that scientist will not negate my experience. No, no, that's well. I'm... I'm just the, my only concern is I'm becoming someone Tim Minchin would hate at a party. <laughs> <laughs> that's literally my only concern. I'm like, I'm like, I am still a rationalist. I think. Look, this is what I think is. We know psychedelics can rewire the brain. We know that. If they're done well in moderate, Don't start just knocking back magic mushrooms in a field without any supervision. I really don't. Please, don't. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. Please don't. But neurologically, scientifically, we know that. We know we're behind on the research, but the research is being done now, and, it, and it's it's looking favourable. The other thing is, I think we are so far away from nature and the earth and we think we're better than it, and we think we're on top of it and we think we're other than it we think we will decide how much we pollute the earth and how much we include the earth we think we are the dominant species and we're the honestly i think what taking plants can do and listen some plants are arsenic you know like it's not as simple as that but these particular plants can make you feel in touch with something of the earth and we are from the earth we are and we will go back to the earth when we die and that's made me more of a i feel more connected to the earth and i don't think that's a bad thing i don't think that's a bad thing at all i think this earth will survive what we are doing now with climate change is we are creating an excellent environment for creatures that love warm water and drinking straws who can live in that environment And if we continue to treat the the Earth like we are, we're just making ourselves extinct. That's okay. This planet will carry on. Will carry on, and it will rebuild and it will reboot. As Mother Earth said to me, while I was under the influence of ayahuasca, I invented self-care. Look at how I restore myself when people damage me, and I do my best. But I can't. You know, I can only self-care as much as I can. If you're damaging the Earth more than quick more quickly than I can restore it, this Earth will survive. There will be creatures who at some point in the future might be going, we've got to keep more drinking straws in the ocean because that's our ideal habitat. How do we get more drinking straws in? <laughs> do you see what I mean by this? Yeah, yeah. This is not a theory like Bill Gates is in my bloodstream, just by the way. This is a metaphor for the future. <laughs> I, I think that's what we're doing. I think we're making... We're trashing the hotel room.
0: Yeah, well, we're definitely doing that and I, we definitely need to look at that. And I think, and I think introspection and talking about stuff is... is Good for everyone, right? So it's it's how you get there. Um, I'd kind of like you to come back in ten years' time and tell me how it's all worked out for you.
1: Are you worried that my brain's going to fry? Or something? No,
0: but I think like all, all, I'm you not know, but keep all these doing things. I think all these, but also I think it's like really important. It's exact, all the reasons you're doing everything are exactly right, um, and you should experience life as much as you can, and you should, you know, I I sort of feel it, Certainly in my relationship terms, I sort of did all of that. And then, you know, I'm glad I did it all. If I hadn't done it all and I was now 54 and had been married for 40 years, I would absolutely 100% be in exactly the same... I'd be yeah. sucking cocks behind the bus station.
1: I was uh, in a cult when I was probably, younger. Yeah. yeah, from 14 to mid-20s. So I didn't have any of those normal experiences yeah. and then I got married really quickly. Yeah. So I, I, I'm Benjamin, Benjamin buttoning my way through life. Yeah, I
0: think that, and I think that's all good. But I also sort of... I don't know. I'd, it'd be interesting to see whether you still... Having gone through it, whether you still think it. and you might do, and I'm not saying you won't, I'm just saying it would be interesting to find out where you are in five, ten years with all of this stuff. I feel like you're
1: hoping. I'm hoping it all go (laughs) wrong, massive disaster. I'm not. I
0: hope it. uh, Obviously, I hope it go. It it works. I feel like it'll be a more
1: interesting show for you if I if I slap Chris Rock though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if I if I like am like going, (laughs) the bees have taken over the world. You know, like or whatever. Yeah, but you're really you know but you're after.
0: being you, know, you can say that you're being rational in the in the way you're describing all of this and you're being honest about the way you're describing all of this. So it's you know I don't know about the science about psychedelics. I just think like a, there's a lot of fried brains from people who've you know, but also from our generation, not from the '60s, from people who just did too much coke and that sort of stuff. Oh, but there's Cokes... a lot of there's a lot of fried there's a lot of fried brains and a lot of fried clever brains, and so I still have my suspicions about uh, any kind, any form of drugs. Uh, but I also think, you know, I haven't been through the stuff you've been through. So. No,
1: Coke's a horrible drunk and I I Coke makes people more about themselves. Yeah. MDMA makes people more about other people. But both of those are man-made synthetic drugs that are designed to put people in an altered state, not to connect this is you know, there's a difference between that and a plant which will give you some clarity. Um of course you can misuse anything. And, you know, if I kept taking... If I if I got now addicted to, like, I have to go up a mountain every three months, <laughs> yeah, at some point, but I don't really have any intention of doing it again, maybe in three years or, you know... When I first had that mushroom trip, it was so intense, I said I wouldn't do that again for ten years. But I got so much clarity from it, it was brilliant. Now I think maybe three. Um, but the, the great thing, Richard, is what happens after, where you get all this clarity and this... The best stuff is what happens after. And if you disrupt that by doing it again, you won't get all that lovely stuff after. Mm. So, no, I feel so healed. I can't even tell you. I just feel so much better. But, you know, you're right. Maybe I'll come back in 10 years' time and I'll be like, you were completely right. Don't do medicine, kids. <laughs> uh, yeah. I but I what...
0: do. I don't know. I'm just. But I think it's so, almost more with the relationship stuff. I think it's. I don't know. There's, there's so many factors at play. If you can make it work, it is fantastic if you can make that work. Um, yeah, but, it's ju- d- but it's just. It's making something like that work for, for everyone, and everyone's absolutely delighted about it all the time. You know, I'm, I'm not
1: overdoing it, to be honest. No, no, I'm not overdoing it. No. Um, and I'm in, a, I'm in a good space with it, and I think
0: yeah.
1: Tom is too. And uh, Tom said to me actually recently, he said, I'm really glad we had that conversation because we, you know... I know someone else whose relationship didn't go well because they didn't have that conversation, and he said, I'm just so glad because it feels like we're really being open and honest. And I think, yeah... I think it's, it's good. Do you have any emergency questions for me? I feel I've talked too much about yeah, myself.
0: Yeah, we'll do, we'll do a couple of quick emergency questions and then uh, we will uh, wrap up. Because it's, no, it's, been, it's been fascinating. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's all good. Let me ask you this. Um, well, this no, we're not going to ask you... That one's too philosophical. I've got quite philosophical ones now. If I ask you the one about the chrysalis, we're going to be here all night. Um, if you could own and live in any property in the world yeah which where would you choose to live if you could live in any
1: oh own and live in
0: yeah so they just give you whichever building or property or anything you can live where is you've got an ideal place to live oh in the...
1: i might take over the metropolitan museum of art in new york okay have some parties in there yeah. that'd be fun that's pretty good yeah is there somewhere to sleep i'd I, I, they've given it to me i'll convert yeah. a wing
0: <laughs> okay for a are you going to keep all the art as well though
1: yeah yeah okay. yeah it'll be great
0: That's quite nice. All right, I'll ask you. This is from my son. And I thought I'd put this to bed, but you might have an answer for this. Do ghosts have bum holes? This is my son's.
1: I don't think they need them. No? No. I think they're more. Doesn't have to need them, do they? Ethereal than that. Yeah, I I agree with you about that. I think I'm going to say no. Okay. Yeah. That's good to, have um, to answer. Is that my last emergency question? I think it might be. I have to auction off this cup.
0: Oh, yeah. Do Does I have anyone time? want to buy a, a mug? Okay. Pretend they were so a this guest.
1: is... I was a guest on Rilla Histapa. Um, um, and all I got was this lazy mug. You are... And if you do this, you also get to be a guest for what was going to be three minutes and now it'll be more like 60 seconds, if I'm completely honest. Um <laughs> Anyone, do we start the bidding at £5? £5 for the mug? Well, how much does the mug retail at? Yes, £5. I mean, it doesn't
0: retail, it's, it's ten, absolutely, ten cannot pounds,
1: buy them anyway. £10, so you can't buy this anywhere. £15, you don't have to be a guest on the show if you don't want to be. You can nominate someone else. You can nominate Robbie, if you'd prefer. Uh, at £20, £20, £25, £50, £50, <laughs> £50. It goes to Ukraine, thank you, £50, £70. Wow. All the money's going to go to Ukraine. Uh, 70 pounds. Did I see your hand over there for 70 pounds? The money goes straight to Ukraine, but you get to be a guest on the podcast or nominate a guest on the podcast, and you get this mug. Uh, and it's got my lipstick on it, and that ups the ante. Now, yeah. it really shouldn't in COVID times. We can have it washed for you if you'd prefer, but if you like my lipstick, <laughs> depends. It, do you fancy me or not? It's, it's an unknown quantity. Do what do we have? 70? Did someone say 50 pounds? Did someone say 70 pounds? Did someone say 70? I last hand I was said 50. And then who's. I thought someone. Really, I thought someone behind. I think that was eighty. Up. I think
0: you said eighty.
1: Did someone? Did anyone say seventy? Eighty. Can we get it up to hundred for Ukraine? Hundred pounds for Ukraine. You could chip. You could go in together with somebody. You could go in together. Share a mug. Have we got a? Have got a backup mug? Yes. You're going to say hundred. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one hundred and twenty. Do I hear one hundred and twenty? I hear one hundred twenty. One oh. hundred and fifty. Do I hear one hundred and fifty? One hundred and thirty. Do I hear one hundred and thirty? Okay, one hundred and thirty. Do I hear one hundred and forty? No. Okay. So, what was your last bid? One twenty.
0: Yeah, we're on one thirty.
1: And one thirty. Have we got a second mug? Because then they could both have a mug, we and we make we raise two. We raise two lots of money for Ukraine. She's
0: such a. Okay.
1: So you're. She's a
0: hustler, this girl.
1: You're going to get the authentic one. That's one hundred and thirty. Just one second. Ooh. Can you? Do you want it with my water in it? Would you like it washed? <laughs> You don't have cash. That's all right. We'll, we'll work you it can pay, out. PayPal, Richard. We'll, we'll trust you. But someone needs to just get your details. Could you just tell... Um, I'm sorry, what's your name? Laura, could you just get this gentleman's email slash PIN number? Thank you.
0: And uh, I'll interview
1: <laughs> Quick, <laughs> you.
0: Come you get the water-free water? Come, free up, water. Come, up, come up. I'll interview you Have you ever you tried to, to ju- suck ju- your own cock?
1: Just no, Can you come and sit in the chair? Sit in the chair, and then I'll take a picture of you, and you can say, "Look, I was here, guest." Okay, you sit there. That's that's your,
0: that's your thing. Hello, hey, what's your name? Peter. Peter, hold the microphone, and then we can uh, we can be in the actual podcast.
1: Wow, there we go. I
0: mean, you know, I was I was I nearly had Andy McH on as the guest today. Anyway, <laughs> is the way things were going, so uh, uh, I'll ask you an emergency question: Would you prefer a ham hand or an armpit that dispenses sun cream? This is a difficult question. It is, you must I, I'm thought... vegetarian. Okay, but it won't so... be... You're not eating an animal, you're eating your own hand. Well, and that's always the problem, isn't it? Is you yeah. You don't know how to answer that, but I think with summer coming up... It would, it's kidney. It would, it would be delicious. Had him on the whole time. With <laughs> <laughs> summer coming up, it's the sun cream. Definitely. Yeah. How are you feeling about the, the 130 quid for the mug? Um, more pleased than my fiance. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I looked at her when it got to 80 and she said, no. Mm. Oh. Okay, <laughs> Also, he wants to be in an open relationship. <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel about that? <laughs> Thank
1: you. Your time on the show is up. Thank you very much. Um, and you're, you're 120. OK, uh, do you want to come up if we've got time or do you want to just take it in the seat? I'll
0: get, I'll get you a mug in the interval.
1: Get your mug. Do you want to answer an emergency question? Uh, robot sex <laughs> or dogs that laugh? <laughs> Dogs that laugh. There we go. We got bad choice, question. Mate, bad choice. Thank you very much. Laura, can you just get this man... Can you just stand up? He'll just wave so she can see you. Wow. Can you get his email and his PIN number and his PayPal, something like that?
0: Amazing. That'd be great.
1: Thank you. Ladies so, and
0: gentlemen, Deborah Francis-White. Ladies thank and you. What an incredible woman. <laughs> Stick around. You have been listening to Hello with me, Rich Terring and my guest, Deborah Francis-White. Thank you to Scant Regard for playing this music. I'm indebted to my producer, Ben Walker. I'm indebted to Chris Evans, not that one, who's sitting right beside me. And thank you to all of the team who record the show, even George. And thank you to everyone at Leicester Square Theatre, who are very nice as well, and everyone at ACAST. Also, I would like to thank Kickstarter backers Richie James, uh, Michael Bates, Stephen Sanderson Graham Bench Michael Bond who wrote the Paddington books Daniel Betts James at Sit Down Gym we all know him Charlie Carrick Ian Ferry he invented the ferry and we have to thank him for that Peter Femoy Robin Broadley Simon Malpass David Gibson Mark Fawcett Clarty (laughs) Clarty Chimp Clarty Chimp (laughs) Clarty Chimp Ed Bauer Alan Doyle Mark Ellis Wax Parrot Karen McKenzie Adam Jackson Rob Mossop Andrew Wildwoods Stuart Hart None Jamie Connolly None No (laughs) No They don't want their name No Ian Robertson Ann Weeks, Tink (laughs) Barry Fair Barry Fair Seven Poles that one's just silly George Shalcross or Shulcross and Jason thank you very much for your part in all of this this is a sky potato fuzz on gofastestripe.com production why not watch the videos of these shows go to gfsboxoffice.com you can still watch them even now buy it for a small fee which will help us make even more podcasts thanks very much head to uk for more information about everything you could possibly wish for goodbye
1: Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.
0: Thanks for listening. richardherring.com slash gigs. gofasterstripe.com for all my books, downloads, all that sort of shizzle. Oh, yeah, I know all the cool words. And um, would love to see you on the, on
2: the Can I Have My Ball Back tour if you can make it. Bye.